Well, Moses is a, is a guy that is known all throughout the scriptures. We learn about his story um, in Exodus. We, we learn about him a little bit more in Deuteronomy, the close of his ministry. Uh, Moses is referred to by the writer of the book of Hebrews as the father of the faith. And uh, so he's one of these great heroes. So we learn a lot about Moses. And, and what, what we love about Moses is that we can relate to him. So Moses was a great leader, but Moses was also a guy whose life was trash. And I think that, you know, when we think about that, we think about, wow, he was this great leader, but we need to also understand that he was just an ordinary guy like you and me, and his life was not perfect by any means. And, and I hope that as we finish the message today, that if you've been kind of sitting on the sidelines wondering about what God's plan is for your life or what you can do, I hope you're inspired today. I really do. I hope you're inspired to just step out in faith and, and be the person that God has created you to be from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and to use your gifts to serve him in a powerful way. Well, let me just begin by asking a question this morning, okay? This is a really important question, and it goes like this. Have you ever been asked or challenged to do something that you felt you didn't have the ability to do? Anybody ever been challenged to do something they felt they didn't have the ability to do? I, I have. Um, you know, a lot of us are raising our hands. How about you at home? Uh, chat about that a little bit with us today. Share, share a little bit on the chat about what it is that you were asked to do that you felt that you didn't have the ability to do. We would love to know and engage a little bit more with that. Um, you know, God speaks to us. Now, sometimes people ask the question, you know, well, well, how does God speak? You know, it's not always this eat it Jones flat, Joe's flashing neon sign. Um, it's not like what Scrooge said when he had indigestion, like it's an undigested potato or something like that. But God speaks to us in, in numerous ways. And the way in which God, I can, I can say how God speaks to me is God, God puts a feeling on my heart. It's a restlessness. And, and that restlessness comes and it puts me into a vulnerable position. I get mad at God at times, but it puts me in a vulnerable position because not that I like to control things. I'm not one of those kind of people. But, but, but I'm hearing laughs, Lord. You know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they know. Anyway, so, so but, but sometimes it's that restlessness. So how does God speak to you? And we're going to talk about how God spoke to the heart of this, this great guy. Now, some of us will say, well, well, I will do whatever is asked of me if I see a burning bush. Now, burning bush, has anybody ever seen a burning bush? I mean, we don't see burning bushes going on. Scriptures, you know, it tells us Moses saw a burning bush in, in Exodus 3, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. A burning bush, it's called a theophany. Theos, uh, which comes from the Greek word God. Theophany, the presence of God. So, so God appears in the scriptures through fire a lot. Through this burning bush that we're going to read about, he appears as the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness. He's smoked by day, fire by night. God appears in that way. So, so this theophany. So some of us are say, I know that I will do what I'm supposed to do when I can see a burning bush. And we get that from the Moses story. And we, we think that we have to have this great experience that Moses had, that when God just does this whoosh in front of us, that, oh, there's no doubt that's what I'm supposed to do. But we're going to learn that's not at all, at all, at times, what it's supposed to do. So who's Moses? Moses is a, is a guy who, um, we find him in this story, he's, uh, he's tending sheep. In fact, he's tending his father-in-law's sheep, and it was a bad job. And, and so he, uh, come on, guys, work with me, Okay. So I do this just to make sure you're staying awake, okay? So, so he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. His father-in-law's name is Jethro. And Jethro has these sheep, and Moses is tending them. And one of these sheep 
um, gets lost. He just walks away. And Jethro was a man of power. He was a, a priest of Midian. And, and what we find out is that one of his sheep get away. So he puts on his Air Jordans and he runs after it. And he finds his way up this mountain. And, and there in the midst of this mountain, something miraculously happens. An angel of God appears to Moses. Now, Moses had never seen an angel of God before. And, and I kind of wonder, you know, we read about the angel stories in the scriptures. What would it be like to see an angel of God appear? And what would that look like? And what would our hearts say? And how would we stir with that? Well, Moses encounters that. And we get into the story here in, in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, about what happens when Moses comes before this burning bush, this theophany, God appearing. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, so the angels called over, Moses goes to the bush, and Moses says, here I am. Uh, Do not come any closer, the Lord said, after he had called him by name. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing, the Lord says, is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So now, Moses was raised in Egypt, so we're going to find out a little bit about his story. So, so Moses probably had lots of gods, but, but there was something different about this God. And Moses hides himself because he fears this with reverence. He's not sure what this is, but it's in a powerful, powerful experience, and he's trying to figure it out. So, so this is kind of the interesting backstory on Moses. So Moses, he's, he's got Hebrew DNA, a Pharaoh who was the leader of Egypt. So for 400 years, the Egyptians had put the Israelites into slavery. So for 400 years, they're in slavery. And Pharaoh after Pharaoh, king, king after king, Pharaoh after Pharaoh, is going on with this practice of enslaving the Israelites. And they're crying out to God daily, Lord, hear our prayer. Oh Lord, why are we suffering? And Moses is, is born in, by Hebrew DNA. So what happens is, Pharaoh is upset and concerned that, that the Hebrews are multiplying too quickly and that, that they are going to overtake Egypt in numbers. So Pharaoh issues a decree and he says, I want every firstborn male of every family killed. And so he begins this slaughter campaign and he's killing all of these male, uh, male sons that were firstborn. So Moses' parents, they take him, and they put him in a reed-made uh, basket, and they send him up the river. And so Moses goes up the river in this basket as an infant, and he is found by the, the daughter of Pharaoh. And so she brings him into the house of Pharaoh. So Moses is, is of Hebrew DNA, but now he is the stepson of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is the king. So Moses has this mighty, mighty uh, position in the heart of Egypt, and he becomes favored by his father, Pharaoh. So, so Moses um, is going through life, and he has no idea about the Israelites. He has no idea about what it means to be there. He just sees what's going on, but, but he can't live it because he doesn't care. He's not one of them. Until his mother and his brother come and reveal the truth, and Moses discovers he's Hebrew. He's not Egyptian. And his whole mind is just like uh, discombobulated at this moment. And, and then all of a sudden he's, he's, he's off on a walk and he sees an Egyptian kill an Israelite slave. And Moses, or whipping a slave, I should say. And Moses kills the, the Egyptian uh, officer who is whipping the Hebrew slave. And all of a sudden, Moses' life is in trouble. 
He, he doesn't want to go and, and tell his uh, stepfather what he's done. Pharaoh probably would have saved him, probably would have forgiven the crime. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to uh, live up, but he's, he's, he's afraid, he's scared, and he flees Egypt, and he runs out into the wilderness. And that's where we find in Exodus chapter 3, Moses picking up the story, married to Zipporah, the daughter of, of um, Jethro, not Bodine, but Jethro, who is a Midianite priest. Now, what we don't know is what is a Midianite priest? What God do they worship? Historically, we don't know. But what we think is, is that Midianites had a pantheon of gods, that they had many gods. So here's, here's Jethro, who's a priest, not a Yahweh priest, not a Jehovah priest, Jehovah God, but of many. And we'll learn later what happens in Jethro's life in a couple of weeks here. So here he is chasing sheep, and all of a sudden he comes in contact with the Lord. So Moses is now standing at this bush. God has said, I'm calling you, listen to me, and let's pick up the story. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Who's concerned? It's not Moses. Moses could, couldn't care less. I mean, by this time, between um, Exodus chapter 2 and chapter 3, 40 years has gone by. So he's been detached from Egypt for 40 years. He's got a new family. He's with the Midianites. Um, he's wrestling with his Hebrew uh, heritage. And, and so he's like disconnected, and he has no idea, but God does. And so God says, I've come down to rescue them from the, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land filled or flowing with milk and honey. That's a, that's a land of abundance, okay? So that's what, that's what that phrase means in the scriptures, a land of abundance, the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the St. Paulites, the Amorites. Did you catch that? Okay. The, the, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Guys, this is so important. We need to make sure we pause for a second. God hears, God sees, God knows, and God acts in the midst of oppression. That, that we have to trust that. It's, it's God's timing, and I know sometimes that that just confuses us. I know at times we get frustrated because we want it done like now and we don't understand God's timing. But trust me, God hears, God sees, God knows, and God chooses to act in the midst of the persecutions that we see. And, and God says to Moses, I've heard it, I've seen it, and you are gonna be my mouthpiece, you're gonna be my muscle, you're gonna be the guy who's gonna lead the people out of the Egyptian bondage and captivity. And this is kind of where, where the story is. So he says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. This is God talking to Moses. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Listen, Moses has been detached. 40 years have gone by. He is, he is the stepson of Pharaoh. He doesn't have a whole lot of affinity to the Hebrew people. He's kind of in a Midianite family. He's confused. His brain is scrambled. He's not real sure. He's, he's running from a murder. He's hiding. He's fleed his homeland. All of those things. And out of the wild blue, God hits him at this bush. Moses, I have a plan for your life. Moses, I'm going to ask you to do this for me. Not just for me, but for all of these people, thousands if not millions and Moses is confronted with this at that very moment. Listen, just like back then, today, God, God is that kind of same kind of justice God. 
God is a God of justice. God doesn't like injustice. You know, we read through the, the roles in the lives of the prophets. We look at Jesus's words in the Sermon of the Mount. We know that God is all about justice. God is about morality. God is about hope and peace. And we read about this in the scriptures and, and we know that God is not happy with what he's seeing by the people of, of Israel being enslaved by the Egyptians. And God is now choosing to act. In fact, he says, I'm coming down there. I'm coming down to do this. And Moses is like, wait a minute, who? And God says, I'm coming down, but I'm gonna use you in the midst of this. This is important too. God uses you regardless of what your skills, qualifications, pedigree, or resume says about you. You might be a lawyer, you might be in the medical field, you might be a, an iron worker, you might be a welder, you might be in sales, whatever it is, Whatever your pedigree is, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. God chooses to use you for who you are. But more importantly, what God places in you at the time that he's created you in his image. But what happens is we, 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 we kind of adopt this posture like Moses did of disbelief. And, and we, you know, we hear God's words. I see it. I hear it. I'm ready to act. I'm coming down. And we take a step back and we go like, God, where are you in the midst of, of you know, child pornography happening in our world. God, where are you in the midst of, of uh, persecution happening? God, where are you in the midst of homelessness in our, in our community, in our world? God, where are you in the midst of uh, human trafficking in Pinellas County? God, where are you? And God's response is, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready, I'm doing, I'm stepping in. And we go like, no, no, but where are you, God? And God says, I sent Jesus into the world to reconcile this, to deal with this. And God looks at us and says, the question isn't where am I, the question is where are you? And that's where we find it, right here in this story of Moses. So out of compassion, not Moses' compassion, but out of God's compassion, he intervenes in what's happening in this great injustice in the world. Now we can look at Moses' life and a couple of things will go through our heads. Moses is the most unqualified. He stutters, he can't speak right. Um, he's, not, he's not eloquent, he, 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 he's a murderer, he's running away from the law, he can't even be you know, good at what he does, he can't even keep track of sheep for crying out loud. Why would God use him? And what the story tells us is God chooses the most unqualified misfit person to do the greatest thing that could ever be done. So God says to Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt to free my people. And what does Moses do? Does Moses say, I'm all in? Does Moses say, I'm packing my bags. Where are you sending me, Lord? Listen to what Moses says. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to bring the Israelites back out of Egypt? Moses does what we do. God says, I, I, I'm calling you. I'm nudging you. I'm asking you. I'm inviting you. I'm telling you to go and to do this on my behalf. And what is our, well, you know, who am I, Lord? I don't have the ability, I, I can't do that. I wasn't trained, I can't do this, I can't do that, who am I? You see, when, when God calls you outside of your comfort zone, God doesn't say I'm calling you because you have all the skills. God says, I'll give you the skills. I'll give you, where you think you fall short, I'll make sure you have enough. Where you think you can't, I make sure you can. And that's this relationship that we see with God. 
And, you know, we, you know, God is saying to some of us this morning, this hard thing out of the comfort zone, let go of this grudge you're holding against somebody. Do it now. It's getting us out of our comfort zone. Maybe God is saying to somebody, give a, a huge gift in the name of the Lord so that ministry can happen great toward the end of this year. Maybe God is saying to some of you, I'm calling you into service or into a small group, and now's the time to do it. And yet our response is what Moses says. Who am I? that I should do this. But I love what God does. Let's pick up in verses 12 and 13. When Moses says, and he throws down the excuse, who am I? God says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. So in other words, when, when victory comes, People are gonna be singing and dancing in the streets, but more importantly, they're gonna be coming and assembling here at this mountain in a moment of holiness because slavery will have ended, oppression will have ended. You will come and worship me here, God says. And then he goes on, Moses lays down the second excuse. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the Lord God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? <clears throat> then what do I tell them? So who am I? Now, I don't even know your name. Who are you? Remember, Moses has no idea who this is. In other words, I don't know you well enough, God, to represent you. This happens a lot of times too. We, 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 we get this nudge or we get this invitation or God is drawing us with his prevenient grace and we say, but because I don't know you well enough, I can't do that. You know, I talk to people all the time that, that God has been saying, get into a small group, get into a group of 10 or 12 people and do life together. But, but well, I don't know God well enough to do that. You know, I don't know these people well enough. Maybe God has said, you know, be a part of a worship volunteer force. Well, I, I don't know God well enough. Well, sing in the praise team or, or be a part of the um, traditional music ministry. Well, I, you know, I don't know God well enough. Prayer, be a part of our prayer team. Well, I just don't know God well enough. And we use the same excuses that Moses uses. Verse 14, I am who I am, God says. And this is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me. God is saying to Moses, you don't need to know my name. You just need to tell them who I am. You don't need to call me by name, just say that I am sent me. And who is I am? So Moses gets in front of the people and, and basically what he's got to say to them is that he is the God of all gods. He is the deliverer. He is the God that will eradicate slavery. He is the God that will bring hope. He is the God that will bring joy and restoration. He is the guy that, God that will bring freedom. He is Lord of all. And the people will acknowledge over that. I love in, in John's gospel, you know, we talked last week about how John's gospel is a book on Christology, the understanding of Jesus as the Christ. What makes Jesus the Christ? That's what John's writing about in his gospel. And, and we learn in John's gospel that Jesus uses the expression, I am, eight times. And Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the one. And so it's important that we understand this name. Here's the third excuse. What if they don't believe me or they don't listen to me? And they say, the, the Lord didn't appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Uh, a staff, Moses replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And, and he ran away from it. So he's like a girl. Ah, he runs away from it, right? Runs away from it. 
Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses said to the Lord, yes, I'm Steve Irwin. I'm going to do that. That's not what it says. What it says is he reached out and he took hold of the snake and he turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. It's called a sign. Not a magic trick, but a sign. So God used something that was given to Moses, ordinary thing, and God turned it into the extraordinary. And so God knows that Moses is like insecure and he's not real sure about this new role and stuff. So God gives him more signs. He says, take your cloak and open it. Put your hand in, pull it out. Read about that in the Exodus story. God gives him more signs to try and give him more confidence as he's doing this job. But the, but the bottom line is God is saying, don't worry. If they don't believe you, I can defend myself, Moses. I am who I am and it will be. So you think that it's settled now. So, so who am I? And they, they won't believe me. And uh, they, they don't know who sent me. So it's excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and God has just kind of come back on all those excuses and just blown them out of the water. But Moses has another one. He says, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. And this is kind of where, where we come into the picture. Because, you know, so many of us take this position, I can't because, or I will win, or I'm not sure because I don't, or whatever the case is. Listen, God made you. He gave you gifts. He is creating in you constantly the new you. And as you draw closer to God, God is exposing what those gifts are. God is making your pur purpose of life more relevant. God is saying, I know you to, to the nth degree of the hairs on your head. I know what you can do. Trust me. So Moses gets real with God finally. And we think about, hey, he's finally getting real with God. But listen to what he says. Lord, please send someone else to do it. You ever said that? Just send someone else to do it. I don't want to. I'm not in the mood. I'm tired. I can't make that commitment. Oh, that will interrupt my life. Whatever, whatever it is that you say. Lord, send someone else to do this. You know, sometimes in the church we hear it like, I've done my time. Let the, let the young people do it now. Or, or I'm too old now, uh, it's someone else's turn to do this or that. Listen, God, God never retires you from service, you know. I mean, one day I, I hope, you know, in 50 years I'll be able to retire. But I know that even then God's going to continue to use me in some way of ministry service. So you never, you never retire. But we've got these excuses that we use. And, and, and I find it extremely interesting in that statement right there that this is the only place in this dialogue between Moses and God that Moses addressed God as Lord. All that other dialogue is just back and forth. But here he says, oh Lord, please send someone else. What's God's response to this? It says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. All the other excuses, God was like, I can do this for you. I can do that. I can help you here. I can help you there. Don't worry. But the moment Moses says, Lord, send somebody else. I don't want to do it. Just send somebody else. 
That's where God's anger burns and God comes forward in a way that Moses is not gonna be prepared for. You see, when God says to go and do, when God says it's time and we say no, what we're really doing is we're, we're throwing it back in God's face. In fact, I believe, I believe it's, a, it's a sin. I believe it's a sin when we, when we, when we say no to God. I, I believe what we're saying is I know better than you. Um, I, I, know, I know what my abilities are or, or what the outcome will be. But God, even though you say I should do this, no, no, I, I, I got it covered. I'll, I'll just do whatever I want. But listen to me. No matter what you think in this, God always knows what's best, right? He's sovereign. We say I wanna be, on, I wanna be working for God's kingdom, but are we working for the king? Are we saying yes? Or are we just kinda playing the role that comes? You see, many of us, many of us wanna be the, the Red Sea parting Moses. Man, that's cool. Just put the staff down and the water just goes. That's the Moses I want to be. Some of us, we want to be the, the Moses that releases the plague. You know, I got a guy in my neighborhood, lets his dog relieve himself in my yard all the time, doesn't bag it. I'd love to release 10,000 flies on that guy, right? That's, we, we want to be that kind of Moses. Some of us, we, we think about, okay, I want to be the Moses that carries the, the, the Ten Commandments down and says to the people, you will do this. But in reality, we're not that kind of Moses at all. We want to be, but in reality, we're the Moses that withdraws. We're the Moses that doesn't want to get involved. We're the Moses that says, let someone else do it. We're the Moses who says, I can't because. We're the Moses that just isn't ready to get engaged in what God is ready to do. You see, everything I've tried to convey today is trying to lead to this one point. And this one point is, it boils down to that, that you need to open your eyes. I need to open my eyes. We need to open our eyes to understanding what God is wanting from us in our life. We've got to stop using the excuses. Quit looking for the burning bush. God just wants an available heart.